Thank you for being here this morning. And I mean that. I'll tell you why I mean that. I am, somebody asked me yesterday how old I was. I'm 38. Not very much older than some of you. The distance between you and me is much smaller than the distance between me and Brother John. So I'm just a few years ahead. But you know, I see you all as co-laborers. Brother John, did you tell me you're 75, 74, 75? Almost 75. Brother John probably won't be here in 20 years. I'd love it if he would. But he probably won't. <clears throat> we all know the baton picture. It's being handed to us. Thank you for being here. I thrill some when I talk with some of you. I see your hearts. I see your burden. And I think, yeah, I want to run. I want to run with you. Some of you talk to and actually burdens me a little bit. Just real honest. It does. But anyway, thank you for being here. Thank you, young men. Maybe it's a little harder sometimes for you, for us, work, schedules, commitments. Looks like it is, apparently. Thank you for being here. Um, let's run. Join me. I'm trying to run, but I need help. I need your help. You know, as we stand here today, I have the opportunity to influence you probably more than you have on me. But in the long term, in the years ahead, you will have a major impact on me and on my children, depending how you run. That settles on my heart. When I come to Bible schools, Lord, here's some fellow laborers, fellow runners. Just let that settle on your heart a little bit. Um, so anyway, thank you for being here. Thank you to those of you who long to run faithfully and you're engaging and putting all your energy into it and counting all loss. Thank you. I want to be an encouragement this morning. Keep running. Let's keep running. We want to be faithful. We've been given a responsibility. <clears throat> I want to be faithful. I know you want to be faithful. Let's not take it lightly. It's not a small thing that the living God of the universe is allowing us to be co-laborers with Him. Neither is it a small thing as our fathers and our authorities slowly begin handing over the baton to us. Neither is that a small thing. So, let's run. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you. Can we pray? Father, before we begin this morning, I come and I ask that you would be with us. Would you fill me 
with your Holy Spirit. As we heard last night, Father, I am very fallible and prone to many different problems and mistakes, and so I'm asking, would you help me here this morning with around 110 young people? Help me to be faithful and say whatever you want me to say. And Lord, would you fill them with the Holy Spirit, with your Spirit, and that their ears would hear Not only would they hear, but then they would run. Help us be faithful, Father. We love you. I want to love you, Lord, with all that I have. Thank you for your faithfulness and patience with me. And I just pray, bless these dear young people here. Help them run. Would you help them pick up a vision, Lord, of the responsibility that we have as your people your children, to establish your kingdom here on planet earth and your desire for us. Help us, Lord. Bless them. Anyway, bless my words here this morning, I pray. Amen. Okay, this morning, I want us just to ponder again briefly. I need one more wrap. Ponder again briefly as we begin. Peter and Jesus dialogue here just a little bit. Mark chapter 8. Go back there with me. Just ponder this dialogue. I feel like there's a key. Yesterday we did just a couple of overview things. Today I want us to look at the dialogue between Peter and Jesus before we go on. We're going to just jump in in verse 32. And he spake that saying openly. What saying was it? This saying. Right? He spake this saying openly to them. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be killed. And he spake that openly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Just picture with me a little bit what's happening in the mind of Peter. Jesus is teaching His disciples and He's saying things that doesn't make sense to a mind that expects this Jesus to be the one who will rise up, take Israel under His wings, so to speak, and lead them to freedom from the Romans. And I think that was probably His concept. We get that a few other places. So Jesus is saying something that really didn't make sense. Peter, again remember, sees Jesus... He has fed 5,000 people. He has made storms be calm. Easily, he can step into place and take care of Roman leaders. He can make Israel a mighty nation, conquer whatever. I don't know what all was going through his thoughts, but I think with some of the comments we get, that was his perspective of Jesus. And so for Jesus to, to stand here and begin to teach, I'm going to suffer. Wait a minute. We've been suffering You're supposed to bring deliverance, I think would have been Peter's thoughts. No, I'm going to suffer, Peter. I'm going to be rejected. The cornerstone we heard last Sunday that was made to be the cornerstone was rejected. Skip it. The Pharisees said, don't want it. Kicked it out. Not a good cornerstone from their perspective. I'm going to be rejected, Peter. And I'm going to be killed. Again, picture in Peter's mind. Wait, that, that, 
That's not the prophecies, right? From Peter's understanding, that's, that's not the prophecies. And so he says, he opened his mouth. Peter took him, Lord, and he rebuked him. This doesn't make sense. But when he, Jesus, had turned about, then he looked at all of his disciples. And I think he kind of lumped Peter and the disciples together a bit. And he looked at all of the disciples and he said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Why? For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. What happened in Peter's mind? What happened in the disciples' mind then? I honestly, personally, myself, I don't think they understood it. You see them in Acts at the very beginning saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? I think they're still wrestling with this concept. And Jesus said, disciples, I want you to understand there are two uh, perspectives to look at things. There are two things to savor. need that spot for a little later here, so I'm going to make a list over here, I guess. And, sorry, red is not supposed to connect there. Let's just do blue here. There are two things to savor. There's the things that be of God, and there's the things that be of men. I begin looking, I want you to do just a little short word study with me on this word savor. Look at it here in verse 33, the end of verse 33. Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but you savor the things that be of men. <clears throat> and I begin looking at other places this word savor was used. Okay, what, what's the concept? What does Jesus teach about savor? What does the word tell us about savor? Turn with me to Romans 5, uh, sorry, Romans 8, verse 5. <clears throat> Trying to get a concept of this word savor in the New Testament. Okay, Jesus says, Peter, you have the wrong savor. Foundational a little bit to some of the rest of things he was going to begin teaching them, or he was teaching them. You have the wrong savor. Okay, Lord, what does savor mean? Verse 5 of Romans chapter 8 says, For they that are after the flesh do savor the things of the flesh. That's the same Greek word there. They that are after the flesh do savor the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, can I say, do savor the things of the Spirit. Okay, so here we have the Apostle Paul teaching us in Romans, God teaching us, savor the things that are of God, not the things that are of men. Here, it says the things of the flesh and the things of the Spirit. But it's the same dividing category. Here he's using term flesh and spirit, but it's savoring. And the question is, which are you savoring? For to be carnally savored is death. But to be spiritually savored is life and peace. Do you get this? It says minded here. Same Greek word. So Jesus is telling Peter, okay, so we use minded here. Jesus is telling Peter, Peter, you are minding things that are of men. You're not minding the things that are of God. 
Because, verse 7, just carrying on here in Romans 8, the carnal savor, those who have a carnal taste, their taste buds loved the things that are carnal. That's death. That's where that ends. It ends in death. But to be spiritually savored, I think I, did I jump here? Let me just carry on. But to be spiritually savored and to savor the things of God and the things that are spiritual are life and peace. Is life and peace. Because the carnal savoring is enmity against God. Get thee behind me, Satan. Does that make any connection? Because the carnal savoring is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. <clears throat> Here, we, I put saved, didn't I? Sorry about that. I did not mean to put saved. <clears throat> Saver. Um, mind. We have the word mind. <clears throat> what, what he's talking about here is when you mind something or you savor something, you're counting something as valuable or not. You're seeing something as worth tasting or not. Just last Sunday, we got a little update uh, from the Philippines on what God, some work that God is doing in the Philippines from our uh, uh, church down south of us, and we enjoyed it very much, and he brought out an illustration, and when we think of savor, we think of taste, and he said there was a group of little boys he was teaching, and they just kept pressuring him, he had to taste these delicious grubs that they cook, they pull them out of their bamboo, they find these grubs in this bamboo, and to these boys, the savor of these grubs was nice. And you need to eat some of these grubs. And he's, they're just pushing him, pushing him. And, and I said, so who won, them or you? And he said, both. I said, oh? And he said, yes, both. They pushed and they pushed. And they fry them nicely. So they fry them on the outside so it's crispy on the outside, not in the middle. <laughs> he said, finally, he takes one of these grubs and he needs to do it. Pops it in his mouth, and he said, I got it down. But it wasn't long. He was laying in bed trying to sleep, and his stomach was aching. He told one of the boys, what do I do? My stomach hurts. Terrible. My stomach hurts. What do I do? He said, oh, go out and eat some papaya leaves. Any of you ever heard of papaya leaf tincture or papaya leaf? Some of you know about that stuff. It's strong. He said, okay. So he crawls out of bed, finds some papaya leaves, chews them up, and he said, bitter. Nasty, but he said it did the job. It all came back up. So we both won. Him, them, and me. <clears throat> These boys had a different savor than you and I, right? They had a different savor. What they thought was valuable, what they thought was good, what they thought was right and wonderful is different than what we generally think is right and wonderful. Along that line, to the opposite side, some of our brothers over there uh, decided with the class that they're teaching, they would do a little ex um, 
celebration thing, and they made an apple pie with them, and some of them wouldn't even taste it. No way. Something that odd? A few of them would taste it. I think if some thought it was good, but some of them? Their savor is different than most of ours. Grubs? Sure. Apple pie? No way. Different savor. Different tastes. God is saying the same thing here. If you have this kind of savor, if you have this kind of mind, there is a result. If you have this kind of savor and this kind of mind, there is a result to that also. And they're opposite results. Let's go on. Philippians chapter 3. Again, just looking at this this word, a little word study here. Savor. Mind. Count as valuable, important. Philippians chapter 3, verse 15. We're just going to jump in the middle here again. We're not, we're not getting the context and the whole teaching. We're just grabbing a little snapshot to broaden our perspective of this word savor. Philippians chapter 3, verse 15. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus savored. As many of you as are perfect be thus savored. Savored. How were they to be savored? Well, we could go back and spend the, the rest of our time and the rest of a long time looking at that. But I'm just going to pull out in verse 14, I press toward the mark. He said, you need to have a savor that is pushing you toward the things of God. It's the same principle here. Be thus minded. Savor the things that are of God. <clears throat> and if in anything ye be otherwise savored... God shall reveal even this unto you. And if your savor's not right and it doesn't line up with what I've been teaching, God will reveal this unto you. Nevertheless, verse 16, whereto ye have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us savor the same thing. Again, savor. Let us mind. Let's think about the same thing. Verse 19, jump down. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. He's talking about those who savor other things, whose glory is in their shame, and who savor earthly things. These are strong words. As we ponder this savoring, the things that be of God or the things that be of men, as we savor or mind that which we see as important. If we're on the one side, there's blessing. On the other side, there's strong, strong language. Let's go on. Philippians 2, back just a page or so. Philippians 2, verse 2. Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-savored, like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, and of one savor. Of one savor. I want all of you, the Apostle Paul says... To know that apple pie is good for you and that, maybe I shouldn't say grubs aren't, because they are for some, maybe. Apple pie is good for you and, okay, to us, grubs are not. And I want you all to be like-minded in that. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than himself. Look not every man... On his own things, but also 
Uh, but every man also on the things of others. And let this savor be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this savor that was in Christ Jesus, let this be in you. Okay, so this mind, this concept, let's go on to Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God, and set your... What do you think it is? Savor. Set your savor affection on things above. Not on things above. Of the earth. Not here. Set your savor on things above, not on things of the earth, for you're dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. So here we find the minded, the savor, and the Apostle Paul is telling us, they're telling the Colossians here and telling us, set your affections. Oh, So we can affect where our affections are. We can affect where our savor is. We can decide whether we like grubs or we like apple pie. Yes. Over there in the Philippines, there are people like me and you. And their savor has just been trained a different way. Not because, in in the physical realm, not because... You know, and maybe you would argue with this one. I was going to say, not because the one is so much better for you than the other. That might be arguable, I guess. Either way. But because that's the way your Savior has been trained. And I want us to see, again here, set your Savior on things above. I know. Children, for them to come in here and to sit here and to listen to me, it would be kind of hard. Their savor is not yet. This just doesn't feed much to them. But as we grow, these things, as we're studying here, become more and more of a taste to us, and we begin to develop our tastes, our what we savor and what we don't, where our affections are, where they're not. Let's jump to 1 Corinthians 13 for a final verse in light of savor and and. We, we just had savor, we had mind, we had affection. 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 11. When I was a child, and I'm just jumping in the middle, we know what 1 Corinthians 13 is. Verse 11, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I, and there's our word again, savored. As a child, as I mentioned earlier, children have different savers and their savor for the things of God needs to be trained. When I was a child, I speak as a child, I understood as a child and I thought as a child. So Paul is saying here, when I was a child, this was my savoring. I guess I should be consistent and go over here on this side, shouldn't I? This is what I savored. The things of men. When I was a child, I loved to drive my truck around and go, 
And I did my tractors, and I did my whatever it was, and I played my games, and I play uh, Uno with my children. Um, there's sometimes a book they like to read, and they'll come and keep bringing the same book. My little girl bring the same book, and after a while, it is so boring. I love her, and I'll read it again. I read one uh, Sunday afternoon before I came down here, and it's a boring one to me. I know what's coming next, so what I've done... Ask my family. They'd all grin at this one. I spice it up and add other things and flowers and, I mean, you know, kind of make it a little more exciting. But I'm half doing it for me. <laughs> it's boring. When I was a child, though, that's what I liked. That's what I savored. That's what our children liked. What does it say here? Uh, what are the three words? Spake, understood, thought. That's the way I was as a child. And that's the way our children are. But when I became a man, I realized, wait a minute. This speaking, this understanding, and this uh, thinking is childish. I need to put it away and become a man. So my thinking, my understanding, my savoring. I'm going to put understanding here. Understanding. My savor, my mind, my affection, my understanding, that was a child. But there came a time when I realized I need to put that away. I need to become a man. And I guess my question is, is there something, is it possible that it's time for you to grow up and realize I still like apple pie, but I need to grow up. And again, I don't have a problem with liking apple pie, but just using the picture I still like that. I still enjoy it. I enjoy the little children's books. It's time to grow up. The Apostle Paul said, when I became a man, I said, enough of the children's books. Enough of the the childish understanding. Enough of the childish speaking. And enough of the childish thought. You need to become a man. That's the title. I didn't give you that yet. For the message. Here's the title. Put this back up at the go back up to the top of your page in your little book. Feeding the losing life. Feeding the losing life. This path of losing, this upside down concept of following Jesus, this opposite of man's standard path is the losing path. And we need to learn to feed. The losing life. And I want you to go right underneath of that and put a subtitle. I had two lines there. I don't always use them. My second one is this. I want you to write this down so you process it. Understanding the process of guiding our tastes. That's a subtitle. Put that right underneath the title. Understanding the process of guiding our tastes. And I'm using tastes in light of the word savor that we're using here that Jesus used. Understanding the process of guiding our tastes. And I'm going to run into tomorrow also with this process a little bit. But we're going to look at this process. Understanding the process of guiding our tastes. We read some verses. We got the concept that there's two things to savor. There's two sides to this savoring in this picture. The things that are of man, man, and the things 
that are of God. And it really is simple. It's not difficult. It's really not a hard... I think Brother John D. mentioned yesterday the concept of, well, you don't really know where my heart is. It's really not a difficult thing to know where your heart is. And neither is it a difficult thing to guide your heart. Because in the New Testament dispensation, God comes and works. It's not us struggling all by ourselves. And so it really is simple what God calls us to. I want to just briefly, those of you, you've heard me share this principle, uh, possibly a few of you a few times. Uh, Jump with me, though. We're going to go ahead and look at it, I guess. Ezekiel 36. I'm just going to pull one verse out. I'm going to try not to spend real long here on this principle. The principle of where is my heart? Where is my savor? And I'm going to just put a a, a heart here. And I'm going to write savor in, in it. What are the things that I savor? And in general, the things that we savor come from the inside. It's not just something on the outside. We put on a different dress. We put on a different shirt. There's something inside there. And that's why I put this inside of our heart. It's what we savor. It's the core of who we are. It's savoring the things of men versus the things of God. And so the question is here, as we look at this, a few questions. One is, what do I savor? But we'll carry on, as you see here, guiding my savors, guiding my tastes. And the beautiful thing is, in the new dispensation, God says in verse 26 of Ezekiel, a new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit, like we heard last night, will I put within you. And I'll take away the stony heart of your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit, verse 27, within you, and cause you to savor the things that you should savor. Cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. We clearly see that the Spirit of God is at work. And as the Spirit of God begins to work, He wants to change our hearts and our lives. God says, I will change you. Now jump with me to Matthew chapter 6. I feel it's a very simple principle, but it's a so, maybe it's so simple we just don't, we overlook it sometimes. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19, we also know this scripture, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves, verse 20 of Matthew chapter 6, treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through or steal. And then our key verse here, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so he makes it very clear, we, we can lay up treasures. And what I'm going to put here, is I'm going to put feed. In light of savoring, laying up treasures means I'm putting energy and I'm putting effort for the purpose of the kingdom of heaven. And we can take this in finances is where this is used quite frequently. People have said, don't, uh, don't tell me where your heart is. Tell me where you put your money. Don't tell me where your heart is. Tell me what you do with your time. 
Don't tell me where your heart, you know, all these things, because where we lay up, that is where you'll find your heart. And so as we feed, we're affecting our heart. And so the Spirit of God works. And as the Spirit of God works and changes us, and we feed the right thing, and we savor the right thing, Put the Spirit of God down here. The Spirit of God works and feeds. And then as we feed, the Spirit of God works and it becomes this cycle. And I'm going to leave this spot blank and we're going to fill it in tomorrow. Because I feel like there's another aspect here that we can put into this happening as we see God working in our hearts. But it really is very simple. God says, I'll change your heart. And God says, where you lay up, there you'll find your heart. God says, I'll change your savers. Peter, you're savoring the things that be of men. But Peter, I want to change you. And he was changed. But Peter, I want to change you. But Peter, you also have to make some decisions. And when you make the right decisions, I'll keep changing you. And when you keep making the right decisions, I'll keep changing you. And there's this circle that happens. So go back with me now and ponder just briefly some of the scriptures we just uh, read there, Romans, Colossians, and we see God saying, if you lay up um, the things of the Spirit, you're you're feeding the things of the Spirit. But if it's the things of the flesh, you're feeding the things of the flesh. So what happens here if we're feeding the things of the Spirit, but then we also feed some things of the flesh? There comes a whole jerk in this chart. And God says, oh, I can't work with that. It jerks. And it lurches. And the flow doesn't keep happening. And too often, that's exactly what happens in our lives. As we allow God to change us, and we beg God to change us, and then we make decisions that are contrary to what we just prayed, you know, we end up with this jerking back and forth and you can't get anywhere. Because I'm making decisions and I'm feeding and I'm savoring the things that are of the flesh. And God is saying, I'm wanting to change who you are. And so things of the flesh, things of the spirit. And some of us go jerking around through life back and forth, this way, that way. And and we don't end up really flowing and God changing us the way we say we want. Because we're feeding two different things. We're trying to get fat, and so we're eating apple pie, and then we throw a few grubs in, and we throw them up. And then we eat some apple pie, and then we eat some grubs, and we throw them up, and we go back and forth, and how are you going to grow and get fat if that's your goal? Just just take the picture here. How are you going to do it if you're eating grubs and throwing up, and then you're eating your apple pie, and, and you go back and forth? It doesn't work. It really is that simple. So I want you to turn with me to Psalm 119. And I hope I spent enough time on that. I, I um, frequently spend a little more time on that, but I'm going to just leave it at that. We're going to go to Psalm 119, and I was praying the other day and just wrestling. Lord, how do I help? What do I share to help them to see this beautiful principle and this wonderful process of understanding how to guide our tastes, 
How to guide what we taste and what we savor. How do I share with them this principle? Jesus said, Peter, you don't love the things, you don't savor the things that are of God, but you savor the things that are of men. And so this morning, I just want to, again, the title, Feeding the Losing Life. Young people, we have to feed it. And what you feed grows and what you starve dies. It's that simple. And as I was pondering this, I, I, pond, I turned to, we're memorizing, uh, as a family, we're working on Psalm 119 in this portion right here. And so we're going over and over it in our mornings here. And I want us just to, to ponder this. Psalm 119. I have 12 points. 12 points I'm pulling out, starting in verse 9, as we look at this concept of feeding the losing life. And the psalmist starts here in verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? He's asking the question that I hope you are asking here and that I am asking for you. Wherewithal shall a young person take the way that he is going and make it pure and make it right and make it of God and make it savoring the things that are of God and not the things that are of men? How can we do this? And so here's the question that I see posed to us in the beginning of Psalm, uh, the beginning of verse 19. Wherewithal can this happen? How can we take a young person, how can we take a human, but this is actually specifically young here, and take us from the state we're in to where God wants us to be? Wherewithal? I'm like you. I have problems. I have weaknesses. I don't always do the right thing. I don't always say the right thing. I don't always think the right thing. Especially before we're converted. There's some of you here that haven't had this process begin to work in you. There's problems. There's sin. We savor the things that be of men. And that's where we come as a child. When I was a child, the Apostle Paul says, I speak as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. And that's the way we were. Wherewithal can we go from there to where we want to be? Wherewithal can we go from the place where we would stumble and the baton would fall in the mud that is being handed to us that I mentioned to us this morning? Wherewithal can we have the strength and the vigor and the right heart and savoring the things that will be of God so that we'll faithfully pick up the baton and run our portion of the distance till we pass on and hand it over? Wherewithal? Number one, by taking heed. Number one, a, uh, here, here's, the, here's number one, a careful mindset. Take heed, <clears throat> young people, take heed. Have a careful mindset about the Word of God and the direction and the choices that you're making. Take a careful mindset, please. This sloppy, it doesn't really matter, it doesn't make much difference, it doesn't... That is not going to fulfill our wherewithal. Take a careful, purposeful mindset as you go through life and you make your choices. 
This issue of following Christ, this issue of following the losing path is no small game. It is serious. It's dead serious. Life and death serious. And I wish we would pursue this thing with all of our might like sometimes happen we pursue other things and it becomes business or it becomes whatever it becomes. The, the, the uh, presidents of the land, I don't mean presidents, the um, big people of the land, the authorities of the land, do you know how hard they push? They have been pushing the past few months. How many of them got distracted? For even just a little bit, they were pushing. We have the, the presidential candidates and we have all the politicians and they're pushing because they have an earnest goal. Can you somehow get excited about the goal that we have that is much grander, much broader, much more wonderful than they have? And we're going to grab a baton and we're going to run. And we're supposed to be faithful. Wherewithal can I be someone like that? A careful mindset. Take heed according to thy word. First Peter 5, 8. You don't need to turn there. You know what it says. If you walked out this door and we just got the call, there was an accident right up the road. There's lions, there's panthers, there's whatever, and they were taking these animals somewhere. They flew open and they're all running around here. And they're just police stopping by and saying, listen, I realize this just happened, so I want you all to be very careful until we, we'll let you know when we get them all pinned up. But they're not pinned up. How many of you young ladies want to go out there and play around? Let's just go outside and talk, shall we? There's three lions, uh, two panthers, uh, whatever, and it's just down the road you can see the accident. When we needed to walk outside that door, we would be very, very careful. And that's what Peter's trying to tell us. The devil's going around like a roaring lion, and he wants to eat you. Don't play. Don't play. Take a careful mindset as you make decisions and make choices and say, Lord, how do I follow your word? You, if you take that mindset, you are guiding your savers. It's one way. Number two, let's keep going here. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Number two, seek God. I know that's basic. But the basics are still true. Pray. Seek God. You find time. Whether it's morning, whether when you have time, you seek God. Sure, make sure you have time. Pursue a daily time and put some schedule in it and pursue God in those times. Seek God as the heart. Psalm 42. Panteth after the water brooks. So panteth my soul after Thee, O God. Man after my own heart. Right? Pant, hunger, thirst, and ask God to do that in you. And you sometimes find yourself, you're in the middle of conversations, maybe it's some evening and there's a family over, and you may find down here, you might start to find a little bit of a burden and a hunger. God, we're just talking about this and that. What about the things of you? And I've before found myself. I went to the bathroom maybe or something and found a little corner and said, God, I'm hungry. Bless this conversation. How can we make it a blessing? And why? Because down inside here, there's something working 
And there's a savor. And I love the things of God. And because God is working, and I realize if I don't feed it, and I keep feeding on the fluff and the whatever of the conversation, I'm feeding the wrong thing. Seek God in the morning, in prayer time, cards in your pocket as you're working, things pasted on the wall in front of you, whatever it takes. Use reminders. Set your watch to beep. All those things, you've probably heard them all. You can do them. Seek God. Pray. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way and make his savor, guide his savor from the things that be of men to the things that be of God? How will he cleanse his way? Oh, let me not wander. Number three, let me not wander from thy commandments. I'm going to put it this way. Wandering doesn't seem to me to be just turning and going a different direction. Wandering, you just step off the path a little bit. So I'm going to put it this way. Number three, little things matter. Little things matter. My father has said that for years and it sticks with me. Little things matter. Lord, don't let me wander from Thy commandments even in the tiniest little thing. Pilgrim was on his pathway. And remember that soft, nice one that just went right beside it? It was soft and it was nice. had green grass. And they thought, surely, we can see it goes right beside the main path. That'll be much nicer. It didn't look like this. It didn't look like this path that Jesus took or the losing path. But they thought, surely we're tired, we're weary. And they wandered just a little bit off the path. And they made, again, the illustration is just little decisions that don't really matter. It's right beside the path. Little things matter. They do. Oh Lord, if I want my way cleansed, then I have to take the concept. If I want my way made to savor the things of God, then I'm going to have to take the concept that I not wander one little bit. Let me not wander from Thy commandments. Little things matter. Number four. Verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Number four. Memorize. memorize. Do it. Just memorize. A young lady mentioned the other day she's trying to do a thousand verses in a year. Sure. Set a little goal for yourself. Memorize. What happens is your mind throughout the day is going over and over and over the things of God. It's good. It'll help you. We put this in us over and over, verse after verse, chapter after chapter, and it takes energy and effort and time, and I know it does. Some of you can memorize way better than some of us, but both of us can do it. Just because they get five verses and you get one, that's okay. You grab your one. Memorize. Lord, 
I want your word hid in my heart. And hiding in your heart is not just memorize. It goes even deeper than that. As you begin to take that word that you've gone over and over and over and you begin to apply it to your life, it begins to go into your very heart. And those principles begin to be in there. And they begin to stick. And they begin to affect the way you think and the way you go and the way you turn. Remember what God said to Joshua. Joshua, at the beginning here, you know these verses. Joshua, God says, be strong and of a good courage. Be strong and courageous. And this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Put the book of the law into your mind, and it will come back. It will come back. I remember... Uh, one time we were driving down the road. We were traveling with my family <clears throat> um, as a young person, still with my parents. And we had a lot of hours. We used to live in Idaho, and so we drove it back and forth a few times, around 42 hours back to Pennsylvania here, out to Idaho. And so there was time there, and I got to thinking, okay, what can I do with my time? There are times we did things together. We talked together, we, whatever. But there were also times when it was silent, and I realized, you know what I can do? I can't read while we travel. Um, I get sick, motion sick. But you know what I can do? I can grab a couple of verses, glance at them, and I can think about them. I can memorize them. I can ponder them. At the end of the day, when I put a little effort into that, I felt, as I came before God at the end of the day, there was a blessing over my soul. Just a little blessing. Memorize. <clears throat> Number five. Thy word have I hid in mine heart. Why? That I might not sin against thee. Young people, it's out with sin. Out. What did I put here? Uh, number five, free from all sin. You've got to be that. That's, it's, it's simple. It's really, really simple. But it's really, really important. Free from all sin. You've got to be free. If you want God to be working in us and changing our savor, we have to feed it the right thing. And if there's sin, it just blocks this flow. And the Spirit of God can't change us. He can't change our savor. Why, Lord, don't I love the things of You? And why don't I love to talk about the things of You? And why don't I love to sacrifice and deny and take up my cross? Why? You know some of why? If there's some sin there, that you're still hanging on to and that is hidden and that somebody you, no one knows and you don't want to bring it to light and there's some problems there, it'll stop the flow of grace. And the heart and the savor will continue to savor the things that be of men because that's who we are. We're men. We're human beings. And without the change of God and if there is sin that stops us, it won't work. Number six. Let's keep moving here. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. Number six. A humble learner's heart. Have a humble learner's heart. And when you come with a humble learner's heart 
to the brotherhood, to your family, to your mentor, to the family of God. And you come with a humble learner's heart. Oh, there's so, so much to learn. And you know what happens? As you learn, you begin to be fed and your Savior begins to be affected. And if you keep going down this path, I may be jumping ahead of myself, but you keep going down this path that we find here, there is so much change that happens. And the more it happens, the faster it happens. And it just keeps going and going and going. And pretty soon, yes, there's a savoring of the things of God. And you love them. And some people may not understand why. But it's because you've learned the simple process of guiding your savers, your tastes. A humble learner's heart. I'm going to just mention one little verse here. We might look at this later in the week. But I I love the verse. Pass it. Hebrews uh, 13.7. Again, you don't need to turn there. Just reading it briefly. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. And to put it, uh, there's many verses like that, but the bottom line is, watch the people whose faith you know is bringing beautiful results. Watch them and then sit at their feet and learn. I love old men. And Brother John D., to me, I'm enough of an African. Old means I'm giving a blessing. It doesn't mean the degrade that this society says. I love Brother John D. He's an old man. And you can, t- you can handle that, right? That's, that feels respectful to me. I, sometimes I forget to Americans it may not. There's another old man in Virginia who calls me, and he's, uh, I believe he's in his 80s. One time he called me up. He calls me every now and then, and I picked up the phone. Well, hello, Brother Raymond. And he says, Brother Mick, has Jesus become more precious to you lately? And he's 80-whatever years old. And he loves Jesus. And he loves to follow Him. And I like to just listen and I like to talk to Him. Why? There's fruit flowing out of his life. He loves the things that are of God. He loves them deeply. Mick, has Jesus become a little more precious to you? And I stopped. And I said, well, I guess I don't remember how I answered. But I don't think I answered. Yes, it made me think. Humble learner's heart and love the old men and others too. Watch, it doesn't just say old men, but those whose, those whose faith, their conversation, see the end of their conversation, their way of life, note that, follow them. If you do what they do, you can get what they got. <clears throat> Where are we at? Humble learner's heart. Number seven. Speak about the things of God. Number seven, what do we have here? Teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. Use your mouth. Open your mouth and speak about the things of God. Do it. Do it when you're meeting with someone um, at your job or workplace. Do it. Speak about the things of God. Do it with, when you're with your family and you're talking to a sibling or a parent. Speak about the things of God. Open your lips and talk about the things of God. I know it might be hard and in some of your settings it's going to be a real jerker to some of you. I'm thankful that some of you it's no problem. But sometime this next week after Bible school's over and you're sitting around the breakfast table and you had a quiet time where there was a verse that ministered to you and you thought, you know, that's good and, and you pondered and you prayed over it and bring it up and say, um, 
This is what came to me this morning, and I was blessed with it. Again, I'm thankful some of you can do that. Some of you, that might be hard in your setting. I don't know where each of you come from. Speak about the things of God. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. Do you know I might get more of a blessing here this week than you will? I'm speaking about the things of God, and I love them, but it fills me and it stirs me and it shows some lack in my own life, and it motivates me. I'm speaking about the things of God. You do it. I'm sorry, I keep forgetting. That was um, number seven. Speak about the things of God. Number eight. I want you to uh, be thankful. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. Be a rejoicing person. Rejoice in the Lord always. Be thankful. Open your mouth with thanks and with rejoicing and with praise. Be a thankful person. I'm, I'm going to move on here. Number nine, direct your mind. Direct your mind. I will meditate in thy precepts. I will meditate. And we looked at that a little bit earlier. But chew on things. Meditate. Bring them back up again. Do whatever it takes to fill your mind. I will meditate in thy precepts. <clears throat> Move on number 10. And have respect unto thy ways. And here, I want you to put number 10, a holy fear. A holy fear. You have a holy fear on the things of God and toward godly people. And toward righteousness and toward sin. Allow there to be a holy fear. We talked about it just a little bit at the breakfast table. Yes, God is a Father and He loves me. And I'm thankful that when I have problems, I come to Him. But God is a God of justice. He's the God who is infathomable to our puny little human minds. And someday, when we get to see Him just a little more than we see Him now, we will be overwhelmed. And we're going to wonder why we didn't shake with a holy fear more than we do. Have respect unto His ways. Have a holy fear over your heart. Number 11. <clears throat> Embrace and love what God has for you. The statutes that He's put before you. I will delight myself in thy statutes. Just embrace your life. Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, realize that what is in front of you is a God-ordained life. And no one can live it and is supposed to live it but you. And you get to live a God-chosen pathway. And you get to do it in all these things we've been talking about and under Him and His Spirit changing you and you walking and you representing Him and it's wonderful. Live that kind of a life. Delight yourself in His statutes and in the statutes that He's chosen for you. Delight in it. Rest in it. Trust in it. If there's things that need change, you need to change jobs because of bad uh, influence. If you need, sure, work those things out. But the path that He has chosen for you, delight in it. Thank you, Lord. I get to live what you have for me Monday morning and Tuesday morning. And this is what the living God of the universe has ordained for me. And delight in it. 
That doesn't mean you're delighting in the things of men about what you're going through. You're delighting in what God has called you to. And so you live the life in front of you with delight. And we really should say more of that, but I'm not going to. And 12, um, some of you know, I, point number 12, I'm going to tell you to write down holy plotting. I will not forget thy word. And I don't, I don't want, write number 12, holy plotting. There's something holy about putting one step in front of another and walking the path you know God has chosen you to walk when the feelings seem down and when the emotions are not there and the feeling of inspiration and the feeling of excitement and the, the revival, whatever that's in the air, is all gone and we learn how to walk one step at a time. Lord, it feels like I'm in a dark tunnel and I don't understand why it feels, note the key word, so dark but I'm going to take a step forward and I'm not going to forget your word even when it feels dark. Please, would you join me in this wonderfully exciting process of allowing God to change your savers more and more. For some of you, it's time to grow up. Like Corinthians 13 said, it's time to grow up, put away childish things and become a man. Put away the things that be of men and pursue the things that be of God. Would you join me? I'm running. I'm trying to run. And I'm thankful for the little path that God has allowed me to run. But let's run together. Let's be faithful in grabbing this baton that is being handed to us and learn to understand it's really not that complicated if you find in yourself tastes and loves and savors that are, not, that are of men, it's not that difficult. Can you see it? I, we just brought out 12 things in Psalm 119 here. Can you see it? It's beautiful. It's exciting. And you know what it'll do? It'll make you next year, when you sit here again, and you'll realize, I love the things of God more than I did last year. And I don't love the things of men as much as I did last year. And it's a wonderful, wonderful privilege. Wonderful. Does it take denying? Does it take taking up your cross? Does it take following Jesus? Oh, it's all there. I know. We'll talk some more about that. Peter, you don't savor the things that be of God. You savor the things that be of men. But there's a pathway, Peter. I've made it clear there's a way. And thank you, Brother John, that God's grace coming down through Christ to us, we're the only ones that will stop that process. He wants to just dump it in. Will you please run with me and help? We're the, the baton carriers. It's just about our job. Run. Begin running. Father, I come to you this morning and I thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you have begun a change in many of our hearts and lives here. And we're asking, continue it. To change the things that we savor. So that you don't have to look at us and say that we savor the things of men. Please, Lord, make us like Peter was after being changed. Not like Peter was before being changed. Change us, Father, is our prayer. Bless these dear, dear young people. Help us, Lord. We want to be faithful in our generation.
Amen. Um, a volunteer for before ne- um, tomorrow. Can I have this chart, some of this chart, and this one up? One volunteer on this side. We had one on this side. This side. Thank you. Just before I share next time tomorrow.